Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of The Glitz Mob. Glitz Mob! My name is Kent Sievers. And I am Brendan Meisner. And we talk about movies and stuff. And talk about whether they should go in our collective Glitz Mob Hall of Fame. We have developed a list of five criteria items, criterion items, a criteria for movies of whether they should go into our Hall of Fame or not. And just a quick rundown of those five items that we'll be talking about specifically today, amongst other things, are overall quality of the film, um, the acting, directing, cinematography, editing, mixing, plot, all the things that get recognized at various award shows. Then there is the feels. How does the movie make you feel? Does it give you an emotional reaction? Does it engage the limbic system? Next is its appeal. Does it appeal to a broad audience, to a wide variety of people of all different walks of life and nationalities? Or is it a super niche film that only only a small group of film studies majors will truly appreciate? Fourth on the list is rewatchability, which is pretty obvious. Would you want to watch it again? And how often? And would you enjoy it every time? And finally is the timelessness or the holds-ups-ness. How well does this film hold up over time? Yes, indeed. The nessness or the, the lessness of time. The lessness of time. Yep. So those are all very subjective and not really weighted, so True. all of them play a factor, but it could change week to week on which one plays the biggest factor in our decision. Totally. And if you don't like it, then you should probably listen to a different podcast. But we or love just make movies. Your own Hall of Fame, which we encourage. Exactly. Exactly. And then tweet at us incessantly and then we'll have you on our show. Yes. Okay. So this week we watched Gattaca. And we we told you that we were going to do so in the last episode. And Gattaca is a sci-fi film uh, starring, um, <laughs> I almost said Heath Ledger. Uh, May he rest in peace. Starring Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. And there are actually a crazy number of big names in this. Um, but Low-key. anyway... Yeah, low key. Uh, they it's it was kind of a pet project, I think. But anyway, it's a it's a very low key kind of not too distant future type of sci fi where the premise is that parents can basically um, fertilize many different eggs, and then they can test for diseases or um, likelihood of of ills. And then they can kind of get rid of the ones that have a high likelihood of heart disease or manic depression or schizophrenia, anything like that. So what happens is pretty much everybody uh, is born this new way of weeding out all the bad ones and then you select kind of the best fertilized eggs. Um, so the, the prediction technology is really the sci-fi-ness of this film. And so our hero is Ethan Hawke's character, and I, <laughs> I am so terrible. I I can never uh, remember the names, but his name is Vincent, and I don't remember well, the last sometimes name. Sometimes he's Vincent. 
sometimes, sometimes he's Jerome. Exactly. Um, so Vincent, though, the, the main character, was born um, the natural way. So his parents didn't select out anything. They just kind of conceived him. And so he's born kind of crippled by this where in a world of kind of superhumans where they can choose the best offspring and just kind of get rid of the other embryos. Um, he is born by chance. And so this kind of limits his potential. And, uh, so yeah, the hijinks ensue and he tries to become an astronaut and it's about his struggle to, um, become an astronaut in a place where people are prejudiced against his kind so, um, yeah, it's, a uh, it's an interesting film. I don't know that I've seen a lot like it, but let's, let's go ahead and, and breeze through these criteria. So what did you, what was your first impression? And then, um, kind of get into, uh, just the quality of the film. Uh, the, I mean, the first time that I watched Gattaca, I was struck by the themes um, I thought that the writing was really good. The screenplay was great. Um, it's a sci-fi movie that doesn't have a lot of the elements of big blockbuster sci-fi pictures. Um, yep. Lots of special effects, lots of um, fight scenes, fighting in general, um, things of that nature. Um, it more so rests on the storytelling and character development of of a few different characters that you meet early on and follow throughout and it's just very compelling in that way um i think that if you just compared in the realm of sci-fi it might not be a movie that gets named as a top movie just because it doesn't fit the 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 matrix or the star wars or star treks um it doesn't match up with those well but um, I think that the storytelling is fantastic. Um, the characters are compelling. Um, it was, I mean, it was made in, in what, 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's a little bit grainy. It's not high definition or anything. Um, there's nothing visually that necessarily just reaches out and grabs you, but, um, there's enough going on in the background that really holds up or really, there's a lot going on in the background that really um, overshadows that and, and and makes a really compelling film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it feels low budget, and it was low budget. Um, however, I think that a lot of the weight then shifts over to the storytelling. Um, it's not a super high production value, um, but like we said, there. I mean, there's still some some high caliber talent in it. Um, Mm -hmm. so the acting is, is good. Um, I saw too, that Danny DeVito was actually one of the producers on it. Um, Ernest Borgnine is in it. Um, is it Alan Alda? Uh, um, um, isn't it Alan Alda? Who's, or am I thinking of a, a different Alan? (laughs) Um, Oh, what's his name? I think you're right. The detective. Yeah. Is that for some reason I wanted to say Alan Arkin? There it Alan is. Arkin. Alan Arkin. Yeah. Good. Good instincts. Yeah. 
uh yeah alan arkin so yeah he super good actor um obviously ethan hawk uma thurman um ernest borg did i say ernest borgnine was in it uh, uh i i always kind of skim over that and i i remember that he was in it uh gore vidal was in it and he's not really an yeah. actor but uh he did a good job as the mission director uh-huh. um and then jude law i think it was like his yeah. first feature film so mm. very nice yeah some some great talent in it uh the the theme music kind of reminds me of like a requiem for a dream type of feel where you can tell it's not like a big like high budget score but it's really good um it sets the mood really well um any special effects uh or any anything like that um is pretty kitschy um it's it's pretty clearly like not realistic but that it kind of adds to the the uh understated mood of the whole film so as far as quality goes it's not super high but the things that it relies on i think it has in spades yeah in in this society where I mean, basically, it's designer babies, and mm-hmm. nobody's born the old-fashioned. Um, I don't remember if it's this film or, or another film, whether they call it a faith birth. No, it's uh, this one. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, where nobody's born in, in the traditional faith birth style, where you just trust trust it to nature. So, yeah, so um, with with that being said... Um, let's just transition to the next area um, since it doesn't have necessarily all this or it doesn't have a huge budget um, it does rely a lot more on kind of emotional connection to characters how how did it make you feel it's got it's an encouraging movie I mean the the whole thing is kind of a, a middle finger to new ways of kind of thinking about human reproduction and so it kind of says like in the thick of these prejudicial practices with uh, you know babies i mean something that literally takes an entire human life and and pits it against uh ubermensch and uh, like I, I can't believe that's the second pod where I've said Ubermensch, but um, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> I was just listening to our Schindler's List pod, and so uh, Ubermensch is a term that works here. I mean, they they are literally altering. I mean, they're not altering the human genome, but they're basically using abortion to weed out and then super highly uh, specified. Uh, predictive measures to weed out um to basically commit genocide against (laughs) i mean any lower human beings that are born so um it's it's it's, straight up eugenics yeah 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 that's that's exactly the word i was going for this is why we work as a team (laughs) uh but yeah so it's kind of a middle finger against it um and it, it it's a a triumph of the human spirit he wants to be an astronaut against all odds he he um fights the powers that be in a, all the right ways he's a rebel 
um, but a dedicated, passionate rebel. It just, yeah, it's an inspiring film. Um, it's it's kind of slow at times, but I think that also allows you to kind of be, it allows you to get into the film. And yeah, I, I as I'm kind of watching now, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm in and I'm out. Um, and, and sometimes you're just like, man, this, this really is a low budget film, but overall I think the feels, it nails it. And especially now as I'm looking back on it, I, I always think back on it fondly and I really enjoy the film. Yeah. It's, it definitely makes you think about things. I think it'd be really easy in this film to kind of draw out and say, oh, there's a, they're talking about the dangers of technology. Look at look at what happens with when science reaches too far. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily what they're trying to say because the whole movie is about his dream to visit one of Saturn's moons. And it's like right. that's only possible through great advances, advances in technology and pioneering. Right. Um, the bigger theme here is about, I mean bioengineering which can be dangerous yeah. but mm -hmm. also just discrimination in general because in a society where it's supposed to be utopian you have basically eradicated diseases probably through um through this controlled breeding and um eradicated so many mutations that led to genetic defects or um uh, birth defects um, things should be a lot happier, but it's basically a dystopian society. Um, mm -hmm. They treat other people like crap just based on their genome and mm -hmm. and what their genetics are supposed to say about them. And um, that's the most compelling part is that Vincent doesn't let his genetics speak for him. Mm -hmm. um, you brought up the human spirit, and that's exactly right. Um, he's just determined to to make it no matter what. And I mean, he has to kind of go through some illegal means of doing that. And I'm not generally one to, to say, oh, yeah, you know, break the law to, to achieve your dreams. But in a world like this, hell yeah. Yeah. Take it to those people who think that you can't be what you want to be just because you're born with a certain heart defect or um, because your genes say that you have a 99% a chance of only living to the age of 30. Like, no. Nah. No, mm -hmm. don't let them define you. So yeah. you walk away just feeling empowered for Vincent and for the couple of people in this movie that really stick out and um, serve as the, the non-judgmental um, facilitators for Vincent to get to where he wants to be. And so you feel good about it. You feel a little bit pissed off that society could theoretically become that way but then you look and you're like well we're already there it's just a different kind of discrimination in different areas mm -hmm. yeah and uh, i i think one thing uh that always in a world is, that is, is discriminatory like this so then it turns into an action call you know what do you do about it i was just going to say and kind of toss this in the feel section that one of the most awkward moments of the entire film is when Blair Underwood um is saying you've uh 
basically chosen out all negative prejudicial characteristics and you want your child to have fair skin and he like gives this like super big awkward smile and uh yeah it's uh it's super interesting uh because they're working with a black geneticist and uh they're basically like hey we want our kid to be super white um so yeah i i don't know if that i i mean i'm sure that was kind of meant to be part of it because they're basically yeah like you said doing eugenics but um it like the race issue doesn't seem to be a a big theme in the the film but i mean it kind of goes across races um the yeah. ethics of the film so yeah anyway i just i just always have to <laughs> it's a super awkward like Oh man, <laughs> fair skin, nice. But anyway, I mean, it would answer the question of, you know, people think that like white supremacists or mm-hmm. historically white people thought that um, people of other races or nationalities or ethnicities were inferior just in nature and i guess in this world where you get to the point where everybody has superior genetics you can't mm-hmm. really make that claim anymore mm-hmm. yeah yeah so the it's it's an interesting like thought experiment for that reason um so yeah it 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 sets the the scene really well um with that as the back ground now i'm gonna try and go to space kind of thing so um yeah it's i i'm always inspired by it every time i watch it Mm -hmm. anything else to add on the feels um no i don't think so okay so the next criterion is broad appeal um now this is an interesting one for this film but how broadly do you think this film could reach uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's it's not one that I feel like gets brought up very often. It's not a big word of mouth. Oh my gosh, have have you seen Gattaca? Um, kind of thing just across the general public. I feel like you have to have an interest in either the actors who are in it. Um, people who are involved in it direction wise or production wise um, or in the realm of sci-fi to really get that exposure to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that anybody can enjoy it. The the themes are there, as we've discussed, there are some really interesting themes to contemplate and that could lead to hours of discussion, but you don't have to have any sort of scientific understanding to um really enjoy that or be able to be a part of that um it's not something where there's any sort of prerequisite um they lay it out pretty well in the film and so Mm -hmm. while i feel that many people can enjoy this film i don't know how big of an appeal there is to people if you're just to sit down on a friday night and say hey let's let's watch the film what should we watch um (laughs) unfortunately because i feel like if more people saw it, they would enjoy it. So I feel like the appeal is there, but in terms of 
it trying to punch up against uh, against other movies that probably wouldn't achieve that on a on a traditional setting. Yeah, um, I feel the exact same way. It's it's a movie that is it's it falls into a category I think not a lot of films do, which is that I think it would have really broad appeal, but the marketing value just isn't very high. And maybe that's because the budget value um, or the you know the low budget of it. But it just it's not very sexy um, to to be kind of a blockbuster, but it's just a super strong independent film. Um, mm-hmm. and and that's probably spoiler alert for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> um, that's probably gonna be honestly kind of the sweet spot of like, independent films that do what they do really well that aren't super heady um but are still simple intelligent and somewhat either fun or i I mean you and i are not super in depth in any kind of cinematic criticism um we like big budget films just as much as the next person um, and production and special effects and stuff, but we love us some indie films. Mm-hmm. I just like good films, right? Exactly. So you- I, yeah, I think th- that said, like that that kind of really hits my my sweet spot on in terms of it could be it could be broad appeal, but they would have to you know they would have had to market it better probably. Yeah, do you feel like going back now 20 plus years since a film has been out such as the case with this? Yep. Um I mean short of of it being a, a blockbuster film or one of the most revered films of of all time, say like a, a Shawshank or a Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um do you feel like any older films could really meet that criteria? Um, do you feel like it's a fair criteria to put it up against if it didn't have initial success? I don't know. It could be. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Mm. Maybe here's some point counterpoint. Um, so yeah, maybe we can discuss that more at length, um, in a, a different episode, but I think, I mean, Broad appeal is it's a subjective measure of do we think other people would like it? It's not like how much appeal or reach did it have, but rather is I mean, this movie wasn't you can tell it really wasn't made to make a bunch of money, it was made to be a good film, it was a passion project. And everyone involved, I think, was passionate about it. And so it turned out to be a good film. I don't know. Which I think lends itself to making appeal. It's a genuine, authentic film that knows what it is and what it's trying to be and, and knows what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's earnest. Yeah. For sure. So with all that being said, I feel like it does appeal to a lot of people, but 
would a lot of people rewatch it? Well, I can only speak for myself. Watching it this week uh, was the third time I believe I've watched it, and I would. It's one of those I, I don't want to watch it like over and over, but every five ten years or so, I'll probably be like, "Hey, I haven't seen Gattaca for a while. That's a good flick. I'm gonna watch it." So yeah, I I I definitely think there's there's some things I I think I'm gonna get bored with. The romance isn't overly interesting in it, but mm. when you compare it, like just the the film as a whole, it just at the end of it, I'm just like, man, that that's just a really good movie. So yes, that's a yes for me, dog. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the romance because it's something that we haven't really talked about. Um, I feel like it it played the role that it needed to to advance the story and add in some other aspects, such as showing that in romantically people are also just as concerned with the person that they're involved with rather than in our um, society where we look at um, something like education and, and employment and now I guess even credit scores and, and debt heading into a relationship here all they care about is what is your genome yep um, Uma Thurman goes and steals a hair from Vincent's hairbrush at his or his comb in his desk which he had anticipated somebody potentially doing and, and had replaced with the hair of Jerome and so it came back as him being a genetically superior being mm-hmm she was like, oh, yep, there it is. And so there's aspects of that that I think are are just, like you said, it's not a super compelling aspect of the film. Um, it feels a little bit boring and, and forced, which I think is an underutilization of, of Uma Thurman in the film. But yeah, sorry, just a tangent there. That was one thing that, that I don't love about the film. But it was there, and it served its purpose. As far as rewatchability goes, um, yeah, there's there's nothing really that you learn from rewatching it again, except for maybe you watch to see which hand Vincent uses to to hold his <laughs> his member while while taking his urine tests. Um, but otherwise, there's there's nothing really that you necessarily catch better the second time around so in terms of of like last week we talked about the prestige how every time you watch it there's something new that can jump out at you and, and then can change the 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 film experience here it's just you know i go into it thinking it's going to be the same every time it's just going to be a film that i really enjoy and so mm-hmm. i certainly think it's rewatchable um it's one that after you've seen it one time you can just kind of watch mindlessly in the background while doing something else or mm-hmm. watch it as a feature film on um while you're just relaxing but um yeah i'd, I'd say it's rewatchable but that's probably something that would vary from person to person for sure yeah I feel like the scenes generally are important. So, you know, the the exposition of, you know, Jerome's character, it's all it's always the same, it's always clear and it's always moving. Um you you see what 
Oh, by the way, another actor. Um, the guy from Breaking Bad is in it. He's just a random cop in it. Oh, what's the guy from Breaking Bad? Uh, the uncle. Oh, Hank Schrader? Yes. Yeah. He is in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, also- just a... He's just a cop that that like wanted to breathalyze Jerome. Oh yeah, that's right. Also, just random people in the film. Maya Rudolph is one of the nurses yes. at the very beginning. Yes, and Ken Marino is also in it. Although, <laughs> as uh-huh. I uh-huh. as I uh, you know rewind rewound it, I I couldn't pick him out. But oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yes. But yeah, so, okay, last question is, does it hold up? And we've kind of touched on that a little bit, but do you think this is a timeless film? As far as the cinematic experience, like like we've talked about, there's certainly films out there that have better special effects, higher budgets, uh, maybe a better overall um, quality to the filming and everything, but... In terms of themes, um, technology and human advancement is something that will always be, uh, I think, an, an issue that people will talk about and, and can certainly relate to this film, as well as just the, the human spirit involvement in that. And so um, I think the themes hold up really well. I think with time, just the, the quality of the filming might not. Um, might be one of those films that you would see and just be like, ah, oh, it's grainy. You know, there's lots of kind of low light situations sometimes where it just doesn't give the best overall presentation. Uh, but if you'd stick through it for that, then the, the acting and, and story and themes are, are fantastic. So I'd say I'd get, I'd give it like a 50, 50 aspects hold up. Other ones probably won't. What say you? Well, I'd also go 50-50, but for different reasons. I think the themes of it are pretty timeless. Um, We've kind of discussed in previous episodes what sets apart uh, sci-fi and fantasy in that, you know, it kind of, because it's a departure from reality anyway, it could probably be a departure from reality at any time. The other thing is I don't think it's a quality I don't think it's a quality issue that might make it less timeless <laughs> less timeless more timeful <laughs> uh I think it's just the fact that nobody heard of it I mean it wasn't a super big blockbuster we've kind of seen it I I know there's probably a cult following for it but um I I there are a lot of people I bet that haven't seen it. So I, I feel like it might kind of die out for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas something else, you know, I mean, you think about the, the, and films aren't really that old, um, but even uh, a generation or two ago, you, you have a few kind of really landmark films that still stand out like Citizen Kane and it's a wonderful life and stuff like that. But there were a lot of films that were made during that time period that just are kind of forgotten. So yeah. for that reason, I think it's maybe um, not as timeless, but I think in terms of theme and just execution and acting, I mean, acting's always going to be um, something that 
that stands out and I think that this movie does those things well and so I think probably I'd probably give it more like a 70 to 80 percent timelessness value so anyway yeah that's fair that's fair so Kent does Gattaca belong in the Glitz Mob Hall of Fame well I kind of showed my hand a little bit on this question. Um, I mean, I I personally feel like there's kind of a type of movie. Now, it's not ne- necessarily a genre, but a good film that's kind of an independent film, so it kind of ventures out of the... the it, in fact... <laughs> and we this may be a different discussion but broad appeal isn't necessarily something that makes a movie better <laughs> or more mm. qualified to be a, a a glitz mob hall of fame movie now too true if it it can't be super exclusive in terms of who the audience would be um so in that sense broad appeal has to kind of find a sweet spot this one nails it in almost all my categories, it's. I think if they had tried to make it any more than it it was, it I would hate it. But because it's so simple, clear, and well written and a- acted and executed, I just yeah, I I love this movie. What say you? I I mean I do also really enjoy this film. I think it's one that I could turn on at any time and enjoy watching um i feel kind of like a humbug in terms of the sci-fi realm because um this is kind of going for straight up sci-fi gonna be an 0 for 2 for me after excluding the matrix previously but when i think of a personal hall of fame for myself it's not a film that i'd include and i think part of it is the the broad appeal aspect and part of it is just just wanting maybe a little bit more from from the rewatchability aspect of it. I certainly enjoy it every time I rewatch it, but it's it's never going to be something new for me. It's it's never going to be a new experience or something that builds on on previously and um something that I kind of kind of wanted a little bit more from. So, while I love the film and I think it's great, um unfortunately I say I say no on my end. All right, man. You're keeping the hall small. All decisions must be unanimous. Hashtag small hall. That's right. Well, in any case, hopefully some of you will l- listen to this and, and go out and watch Gattaca, and you'll you'll find a little gem of a movie that you kind of like. Um, but yeah, that's why we have these discussions. So thank you for joining us. But before we go... We must do our duty as American citizens and ask a question of Kanye West. Ah, just a little update. Awaken 2020 happened this last weekend. Yeah, it did. Apparently, it lived up to the billing of being epic. Though by many reports, it sold out but did not fill out, unfortunately. Oh, but, the re- huh. but the reviews for Kanye West and the Sunday service were, were pretty good. So, uh, 
in lieu of that, Fair we wanted to go. We wanted to dig back to Kanye's roots a little bit, mm. and and get to something that seemed pretty important to him, important enough to include it in one of his lyrics. So, Kanye, our question this week is: Once you were able to afford a Ford Escort, did you go and buy one, or at least a four-track recorder? As I feel like at this point in your life, you probably could should have had both of those after yeah. your early laments, early lamentations, lamenting. I mean, yeah, we we know you have a drop top Porsche, or at least you did at one point. Hmm. Did you get the Ford Escort? Also, do you have a friend nicknamed Minivan? <laughs> uh, no, sorry, he didn't. He that was just the Henny man. Ah. Yeah. Well, the good so. news is, I don't think that he drinks anymore. At least not as much, according to Awake in 2020. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, moderation in everything, I think, is a good policy. So, well, cool. Thank you for joining us for another installment of The Glitz Mob. Next installment, which is hopefully close to next week in terms of recording time what are we going to watch brendan uh we are going to watch another little gem that might not be known as well um featuring ryan reynolds and emily mortimer called chaos theory chaos theory yeah we're gonna watch it we're gonna review it and you're gonna listen to us reviewing it and then you're going to form your own opinion. You're going to reach out to us on our social media or by email at theglitzmob at gmail.com and tell us what you think. Please help us. <laughs> All right. This has been another episode of The Glitz Mob. Thank Glitz you for joining mob. us. <laughs>